hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of We Are McGill Social Work. Today we have a special guest of people who are no longer part of the School of Social Work, but we're here at some point. So we're joined by the alumni. We have two people here who are going to share their insight on what the social work journey has been, or if they're not in social work anymore. Uh, and, uh, you know, so we can hear and learn from uh, what happens after you you graduate um, for, for these two individuals here. I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. You can go in as much detail as you want to share. Tell us a little bit about how life has been or who you are. And uh, yeah, so we'll start with you, Peter. Oh, hello everybody. And uh, thank you to uh, the School of Social Work for giving us this opportunity to reconnect with the school. Um, and uh, so my name is Peter Shimimana. I'm, originally from Rwanda, I grew up in Malawi and um, I graduated in 2018 BSW. Um, I am married with a baby on the way in October. Oh, um, I am still in, I'm still in social work. Uh, and um, yeah, so can, I'm looking forward to this conversation. All right, thank you, Peter. Welcome, welcome. Uh, last but not least, Honor. Hi, my name is Honor Parent-Racine. Um, I graduated in November 2021 in my BSW in social work, and I've been working as a social worker since. All right. Okay. So you were working, Peter, are you working as well? You did say that you were. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I am working in social work. I'm housing a uh, base case manager with uh, John Howard Society of Ottawa. It's okay. a community agency that provides housing to people who have uh, encountered difficulties with uh, dealing with the justice system. So majority of our referrals come from the federal prison as well as provincial prison. So we get calls prior to them being released and then we are linked to them through other community partners and then we help them find housing through the Housing Fest uh, approach. Once they're housed, we help them access other services including getting IDs, uh, getting connected to like a, a healthcare system, like um, system, pretty much and getting them work. So we help them uh, after they've released, uh, been released from prison. Okay, okay, thank you for sharing. That is in Ottawa, Ontario. Yes, this is in Ottawa, Ontario. Okay, sounds good. How about you, Racine? Where you, where you working? Uh, I'm working for youth protection for Bashaw Youth and Family Centers. Uh, I just recently became a part of the order last week, so I was super excited about right. that because yeah. thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, so I work with youth protection with the Youth Protection Act. So uh, a lot of our articles is surrounded around Article 38. Um, so around different kinds of abuses, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional, all that kind of stuff. So. Um, and I also work with the Indigenous team. There's a specific programs for different clientele, and I work with the Native team. Um, so, yeah, it's been really good. I've been learning a lot. Uh, I've there's like I have like I'm a caseworker, so I have like a whole different variety of roles to do. Uh, but I think the most important aspect is advocacy for the for the youth and in, uh, in terms of their rights. Okay, okay, thank you. 
Um, so, so it sounds like you, you, you graduated last year and you're already working and, and congratulations on, on getting in the order because I know <laughs> that's a process in itself. And, and that, that is something that you did right after school, eh? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. okay. How about you, Peter? Did you go into, into the job market right after school? Or right. Yes. So, yeah. So what ended up happening was I graduated and then find work almost right away. However, because I don't speak French, I couldn't join the order, so I had to leave. Uh, and my first job was in child protection as well with the government of Nova Scotia. So I did join the order uh, with uh, the College of Social Workers in Nova Scotia. That was an easy uh, process. Within a couple of weeks, I was admitted. Um, so I was a registered worker, I mean, social worker for only one year. And then I had to leave Nova Scotia, move to Gardner while I was working in Ottawa. My current job doesn't require to be a registered social worker, so I'm not registered. But if I was to switch jobs if from my uh, managers would be required, then I would have to register with uh, the College of Social Workers in Ontario. But I have been part of the order before, uh, but not anymore because I don't need it. And I think I could save that four to uh, four to $600 a year that I need to pay. Yeah, those are... Those are hefty prices to be part of, of, of the order for sure in, in all the provinces. Um, yeah, I'm happy to hear that you, you both have different journeys and that represents where maybe like current students who are thinking of, wow, do I stay in Quebec? I don't speak French. Thank you for mentioning that, Peter. You know, where do I go? And, uh, and, and the different realities that you guys present is what happens most of the times in each cohort. You know, people branch off, go to, Nova Scotia, I would never have thought of that. <laughs> and uh, most of the times people go to Ontario or BC or somewhere else. So yeah, that's, that's interesting to know. So what surprised you when, when you graduated? Because I know that in a DSW program, things can get intense and you get focused on school and stage. Uh, and then once you're graduating, what, what surprised you when you were navigating the, the job market? Let's go with the owner first. Okay. Uh, what surprised me the most was like how much there is to learn. I feel like I'm in a job where I'm always learning something new. And I think I'm, I'm comfortable with the idea of not knowing all the answers, which could be really difficult to admit because you're like, oh, I'm not sure, like you're a new professional. So you want to assert your professional competencies, but at the same time you're learning a new job. So it's like, it's like a balance, right? So I think I'm okay with uh, being okay with the unknown and just always wanting to learn and always push myself and always like progress forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's easy to, to think that when you graduate, you have all you need, <laughs> but in social work, <laughs> It's, it's quite something else. When you get in a new field or a new job, they're always learning new things that you didn't even get a chance to explore uh, in school. How about you, Peter? So for me, uh, two things both related to um, securing a job surprised me. Uh, the first one was how I'd say, quote unquote, tough and uh, demanding the interviews are. Uh, my first interviews, even when I've, after a while, they entail a lot of like case scenarios i had interviews that they would ask you they would either give you a case scenario a couple hours before the interview and then you'd have to talk about that and uh, and you would have to really give answers that are related to theories and approaches that were uh important to that particular work so 
maybe for someone watching, um, if you're looking for a job, be, get familiarize yourself with some approaches, theories, because those things actually do come up in interviews. And the second thing that surprised me, I know when I started the program uh, a couple of years back, the, 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 one of the things the professor said was, you are in a very uh, demanding profession, however, you are going to always have a job. This was said in like somewhere back in 2015. And that, that happened to be very true because I sound like a veteran, but I've only been out of school for like three years and a half and I've done like six jobs. So it has given me the opportunity to choose which. So I worked in child protection. I had to live in Nova Scotia because of the environment, but not the job itself. And then when I moved to Ottawa, I quickly found another job and then I didn't like it. I went to another job. I didn't like it. Now I have a job that I'm happy with and I could get another job if I was to. So how easy it is to change jobs. And that only happens of uh, the, I would say the versatility of the profession in it itself, because you can work in a, in a wide range of uh, uh, pro, like uh, uh, opportunities and you can choose where you want to go. So the uh, the BSW or the MSW gives you um, a step into a million of job opportunities out there. Mm, mm, thank you for mentioning that. I, I guess it's reassuring for, for some of us who are about to graduate and also to, to think back about the theories. I'm gonna have to keep my book, The, the History of Social Work in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. have to keep that one so I can reference that in interviews. Um, mm. How has the job search been for you, Honor? Was this the same? Did you feel like you had to like prepare a lot? Um, well, I felt like I had a lot of clinical experience already because I was an educator in the group homes for four years mm. before I transitioned to uh, before social like they hired me as an HRA before getting my order so now I'm officially hired as a social worker but I was hired as an HRA um so I like having that hands-on frontline experience in the in the group homes was really challenging but I learned a lot as well uh, hang on I'm getting a call <laughs> hello I'm in the middle of doing the podcast Orna is joining us from work and we know how things can pop up <laughs> from time no. to time so sorry yeah. sorry about that <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I, I think uh, what just happened is just it's like the, the <laughs> genuine of this postcard so people know that this is not being pre-recorded or made up so yes. yeah that's just the reality of the whole thing yeah, yeah. I like that that happened actually right if you're working hours you're joining us during working hours anything could happen you're not gonna wait make the client wait because uh you know and that's it I'm in reality I'm an emergency today so if anything call, comes up like I might get some phone calls and I might have to leave briefly like that's mm. that's just the reality of working as a social worker you're you never know what to expect yeah perfect yeah thank you um so i wanted to shift gears a little bit and ask you about the profession itself i'm, I'm happy that you guys have uh, i mean a, a, a honor you've been an educator for a while and and peter you've juggled many many job positions before um and there's this notion always that social work like what do social workers do you know when i get that question sometimes i'm like Ah, how long do you have? <laughs> how long do you have for me to tell you? Um, so I wonder how 
you, if you have encountered or worked with non-social workers or um, have interacted with some, have you had that question? How do you explain your profession or what do you do to people who, uh, who are non-social workers? Let's uh, start with you, Peter. Yeah, so this question in itself can take days as you put it, uh, but uh, I'm going to refer to a couple, I think, articles that I read uh, in the past that uh, this raw ambiguity of like people around you not knowing what exactly you do as a social worker, uh, when you are in, because most of our job is going to be part of an interdisciplinary team with various professions, and them not knowing what you do or not having an idea of what you do actually for the most part has led to what literature calls underutilization of the social workers skills because uh, first they don't know what you do and they don't involve you in decision making that may affect the well-being of the client and because of that that affects communication because sometimes you don't they don't know what you do and most of the time social workers have spent a lot of their time explaining what they do because professions like nursing you mentioned a nurse they will know medical aspect of that and what they do but with social work they don't always understand what we do and i think it's okay to possibly take that few minutes to explain what it, what it is that we do but it, i can understand that it can become frustrating back now into practice uh, i am a housing best case manager and um, so most of my clients think that i work for the registry and the city of ottawa um, you know, I know when the application can be approved or I can, I can approve them for things like social disability or like uh, regular um, insurances. However, I've received the calls telling, oh, I don't have a key to my apartment. Can you open my apartment? I don't even have a key to the front door. Whenever I have to visit clients, I have to call them to let me in into the front doors. So there's a lot of, some of them think I'm a proper manager. They think I'm security so you get a lot of names and uh some uh, like uh, i think there was this uh word in the article that said that we are considered as the gatekeepers or the bouncers of the um the uh, uh disciplinary teams because everything they have to throw at anything that let's say you work in healthcare anything mm -hmm. that is non-medical gets thrown to the social worker so getting house discharge you know, finding a job, everything that is non-medical, even if you are not supposed to do it or you don't have the expertise to do it, that's social work, that everything gets pushed to social work. So that's for me has been the tough one. And in my team, I, 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 I face that a lot because we don't have a lot of social workers on my team as well. So you're saying that for you to, to balance that question, you, you take some time to explain what you do, um, Thank you for mentioning interdisciplinary teams as well, because I feel like that's where we end up most of the times if you're working in, in, in human services. And um, I was doing my stage last year in a hospital setting at the Neuro, and we will be in, a, in, in rounds with the psychiatrist and neurologist and the nurses and OTs and, and physiologists. And, Anything that is not going to fall under those roles, like, oh, we can figure that out. Oh, social work team, you you, you got this. <laughs> so, and then most of the times my supervisor had to step up and be like, no, that's actually beyond our mandate or that can be resourced out to, to, to this team or that team. And um, yeah, it's it's quite complicated, but it's it's something that you you take, you, you make your footing in by explaining your, your role and also, um, doing what you're supposed to be doing well so they can know oh this is the area that they are specialized in 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for mentioning that. Um, how about you, Honor? How have you been able to uh, answer that question? Uh, I think when I think of it like concretely, because I also work with like multidisciplinary teams. So I work with doctors, I work with nurses, I work with dentists, um, like psychiatrists, psychologists. I work with a whole like plethora of like different professionals. So um, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I just think like, I'm the case, I'm the case manager and like, whatever needs to be done has to go through me to make sure the well-being is successful for the, the child or the family. Right. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of referrals to CLSCs or I do referrals to doctors or, um, uh, accompaniment to doctors or dentist appointments or to court. Um, let's see um yeah I I do I do a lot of different things like it can be really small just like listening to what's going on with them or uh something big like like uh testifying in court so like there's a whole wide range of things that could be done so you take time as well to explain what those those different aspects of a social worker is when you encounter someone who doesn't uh, understand what the profession is Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, sounds good. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, right now I'm about to graduate in a few few weeks, you know, thankfully. And Congrats. <laughs> Congratulations, yay. So I have my last paper on Sunday and I cannot wait. I think I'm just going to sleep all day after that, just, you know. <laughs> well you know what you deserve it self-care <laughs> yeah. taking the moment um i wanted to ask you if you've thought about uh, furthering your education with an msw or phd and uh, why or why not um let's start with peter well so for me um i have thought about furthering my education and in fact i have uh gone on to start my uh, msw at carlton university Oh. Uh, I started last year, um, just like you, Alice. I'm also uh, completing my last paper that is due on Sunday, so maybe. Uh, so uh, and then after that, um, I will be doing my placement. So I don't know if it's a, if it's a graduate thing or if it's a Carlton thing. Uh, unlike McGill, where you are doing your placement together with the coursework at Carlton, we did the coursework first, and then we are going to start our placement that's going to take place over the summer from May to August. And then graduation is gonna be in, uh, in the fall. Um, so I have done that. And part of the reason I decided to do my master's was again to further my uh, competences because as, uh, as per uh, Code of uh, Ethics, uh, Canadian Social Worker Association, we are to uh, maintain competency and this doesn't have to translate into a degree. It could be an online course you take, it could be a training you take like motivational training or AOP. So for me, as part of maintaining that competence, I decided to go back to school. And uh, I have seen that it has helped me learn a few other things. Although in my current role, I don't need a master's and I don't think I will need it. However, the knowledge that I've gained for, through the, um, the MSW at Carlton is surely going to help me even support the clients uh, in, in, in more ad adequate ways. 
Um, oftentimes when we think about doing our masters, uh, for us, we're thinking compensation, you know, going higher in the pay grade or accessing jobs that are not available to BSWs. But I'm happy that you're mentioning that it's just a way to, uh, to increase your competency as a social worker to, mm -hmm. you know, see a different or even like, uh, does your does your MSW come with a stream or is this a general? So I, mine, mine is a, a non-stream, one is just general. So I, uh, I had the, uh, like in terms of required courses, it, it touched a lot of stuff on social justice. We have a lot, we had a lot of clinical courses uh, like advanced clinical practice, mental health and, and research again. So Richard, I mean, research comes again in the msw uh classes and uh so I, I would say i've touched a little bit of everything i didn't specialize any in anything uh which is something that to many it could come as a strength because then you get to know a little bit of that but i need stuff can become also as uh i guess uh, a deficit because uh, you don't need it master or ironically, you know, you're not mastering in anything. You are just getting a little bit of something. So it depends really, but I did not uh, uh, specialize in any stream. Oh, okay, okay, sounds good. I think, I think like you're saying, it, it could be, it's on both ends of, of the rope. Mm -hmm. you, you are mastering different things, which is what usually social workers are. You, you when, Once you finish, there's no a specific area you're going to end up. You, you could be anywhere and you will have some knowledge towards that. Yeah. Um, how about you, Honor? Uh, yeah, I definitely would like to go back. Um, I would like to work a little bit just so I can get more like work experience. And then I would like to go back to hone in on my clinical skills. Mm -hmm. And then I have some like, like professional goals I'd like to achieve. Like I'd like to have a student like supervise a student and then I'd like to be maybe come a soup uh, like a supervisor but like this is like my five-year goals right but I definitely would like to go back to school soon yeah oh thank you I, I like the aspect of being a supervisor is that inspired by a previous supervisor like why were you interested in that <laughs> um because I think it would be really important to like to really mentor other people like ha people have mentored me like my manager she's been really great and really supportive and mm. like she 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 also uh, became a part of the order too so like we were kind of doing it together so <laughs> um i thought it was like i don't know she kind of inspired me to want to to do that so. okay sounds good yeah speaking about supervisors or people who have been uh, of influence to you. I know Peter for you, it's been three, close to four years, you graduated yeah. and honor, it's been a, almost a year. Um, how, do you remember or do you recall any course or any instructor in the McGill School of Social Work that have impacted you that you remember uh, or something? Cause I know sometimes school, once you've done your exams, you're like, okay, good, ne up to the next. What, what stayed, what, what course that marked you, that you still remember what people, what person um, that you would refer back to? I know I'm putting you on the spot right there. So it's what you remember. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go right. with Peter. Yeah, so for me, I, I don't know if I'm gonna remember the exact course numbers, but uh, I, in terms of the professor, I do know that uh, Nicole Ives, who we, still communicate to this day 
was very influential for me in the type of social worker that I decided I wanted to become uh, because she taught us an uh, introduction uh, to social work and history. And that was like one of my first classes when I was accepted into the BSW. So she explained how her research has been, her work with refugees, and uh, we shared interest in the same um, topic. So working with refugees, immigrants, uh, social justice. So she's been really uh, very uh, influential to my work in terms of uh, you know rights and 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 uh, social justice for for refugees. And uh, in terms of the course, I'll say the 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 first one, the first one, I can't remember the course, but I think it was history something to social work was the first introductory course. Uh, yeah. It kind of like tells you what social work is. For me, as somebody who had just moved to Canada, I'm gonna be honest and say that I didn't know what social work was. I find that that course opened my mind into what it could be and what I can do. So that's, that, that course was really helpful. And then later on, I think I took um, social work with uh, refugees. I can't remember if it's social work 400. I can't remember exactly which yes. one, but- <laughs> I did yes. take one too, policy and practice with uh, refugees. Yes. Yeah. yes, so that one was a really uh, a good course as well. We learned some policies that uh, determine who gets access to what and how, and I think not just with refugees and immigrants, with any other type of cooperation that any social worker might be interested in working with, I think it's important that we understand and know the policies and laws that govern access to resources so that we can better advocate for them. Because once we know what laws and how they are applying to our clients, we can, I guess, uh, use them to our advantage to uh, advocate for our clients. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, we love Professor Eyes. She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Honor? Um, I guess what really stuck out stood out to me the most was, I guess, towards the end of my degree, I was uh, doing my stash for Kids Help Phone, and we'd have like supervision every few weeks or every week or whatnot. And I remember it, we had discussion around youth protection and like a, a lot of the students were kind of like, you know, like it's difficult. It's not an easy job to do, you know, it's high turnover rate. So, um, but I remember she said like social workers and youth protection are needed and it's like a really important field to be in. So that, that really stuck, stood out to me. And she also said that, um, that I'm like, I, I'm always welcome back for the MSW and I thought that was like so nice like I'm welcome back no matter what part of my journey I'm at like it's always nice to have like open arms to come back so yeah oh that's that's really good it's very encouraging to to hear people around you in a school encouraging you to go further um mm -hmm. especially when you know that that's a bigger step that requires more more responsibilities and more writing. Mm -hmm. But to hear that someone believes in you is is part of the application, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm gonna ask you a question that we're kind of navigating in one of my integrative seminar uh, courses this uh, this term on um, making a difference in the community, changing the world, you know, talking about how the reality is different for each person and. Uh, how your version of changing the world is. Um, I feel like uh, we are 
apprehensive a little bit about the system changing you know how we talk about the system the system is you know systemic barriers systemic racism systemic that and we feel a little bit powerless of what we're going to do so i'm wondering if you have encountered frustrations with things not changing or forms not encompassing everybody or programs not covering anyone uh, in, in, in the field that you're working in. So just to, to know how to navigate those, uh, those spaces. Do you think that's something that we should be worried about? Or do you feel satisfied when you go at home and feel like I've done a good job? Uh, are there barriers that you still see on a regular basis um, in your work? And let's go with the honor first. Okay. Um, well, I guess I'll talk about experience that I recently noticed. Because um, uh, in my job, we work with like foster families. And um, one of the requirements for foster families is to have an in Indigenous cultural plan in place for the kids so they feel connected to their, their culture and they don't lose that. Um, however, I noticed there was a discrepancy because I was like, it, it, in the group homes, because there's nothing set in place for, for like the the agency to be responsible for this, like nothing, like nothing concrete. So um, I noticed this change and I brought it up to my super, my manager and she uh, brought it up to the higher ups and they love this idea. So right now I'm working on a, a, a plan, like a, a form to be implemented in the group homes. So they could be like have, uh, so there could be like responsible to have cultural and spiritual, like a, um, connections to their community, um, in like, sorry, I'm getting flustered. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. but I, I, I so do yeah. understand that because, uh, I was, I was writing one of my previous papers actually this week about, you know, sometimes there's a national plan to include indigenous communities or black communities or any other marginalized communities. But when you trickle down to the to the communities, um, to the organizations, to the programs, to the group homes, like you're saying, maybe there's not a staff who is able to deliver that 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 workshop. Maybe the the, the team itself is not very enough to even encompass that knowledge, and the clients don't happen to have that 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 component in their in their programming because of maybe the like staff issues or you know the way sometimes. Um, well, my connection says it's unstable. Um, sometimes the, you know, the, the fast-paced environment, you don't have time to talk about the different, the bigger systemic issues. So yeah, I can see how that can easily be missed, but it's written somewhere as something that is done. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you, Peter? Have you seen any constraints to move forward or are you, are you satisfied with how things are going? Do you feel like you make a difference? Well, I feel like, yes, in terms of making a difference, for sure, but there are so many barriers. And uh, for me, at least I started to look like it's not it's not going to be possible to get all those structures that are like uh, affecting how our clients access services. Um, and for the most part, I think um, as social workers, especially new grads like ourselves, and we're still young when we come out of uh, our perspective programs, we are very energetic and we just want to change the world and we want to go there and get everything done. And I would possibly say, let's just slow down and also look at ourselves and take care of ourselves because uh, there's so much things that are go going on in our work environment that uh, if we don't 
look into ways of um, maybe preventing those, we might end up getting bent out on even like quitting. Uh, I've ended up quitting one of my jobs because uh, of how much racism I was getting. And uh, when I reported that, my supervisor told me to not take things personal. And then as to make, uh, para, I mean, comparison, she told me that sometimes she comes in to work. So if this was in a shelter and she comes into work, she says hi to um, the, the clients. And sometimes they don't say hi, hi back to her and she doesn't take it personal and she moves on. So she compared that instead of not getting hi back to my racial abuse. And uh, the worst part of it was organizations have policies put in place or they advocate for, uh, I mean, for equity and all that and excellent all that. And they have policies that punish, not punish, I don't want to use the word punish, but uh, uh, that address uh, other things like, for example, in the shelter, we had policies that if a client was to come in and was verbally aggressive or they were physically aggressive or they broke something, they'll be banned through the shelter for a certain number of days. But there was nowhere in writing that addressed any racial abuse anywhere mm. so when things are not written down when there are no policies it becomes very fluid and there's nothing you can do so for me i was like okay first of all i wasn't i wasn't feeling like i was being valued and and, and i was uh, uh you know dismissed for reporting that and i didn't like it and i moved on so one of the things that i've done so far is to find what works for me mm. and stick to that because we are going to be doing this for so many years. And uh, if we're going to be doing this for so long, we might as well be in a place, if there might be no place that gives you 100% comfortability, but I find the one that gives you the less stress, at least that's uh, that, that's the way I approach my uh, my work. And there are so many things that, yeah, it's impossible to to end, but I think talking about these things is, is, a, is a first step into addressing them because as one social worker in an organization that employs across 200 people, there isn't much that I can do, but hopefully by talking about certain things that is going to open up a dialogue that maybe can uh, inspire like a, a, a class action, like uh, um, uh, coming together of guys and maybe protesting about certain things. But in the moment, it just starts with you speaking out. I think speaking out is, is a big thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, thank you. So it sounds like it, it can come on a day-to-day -day basis. It can be a bigger, a bigger conversation of things that are documented or not documented, or you know, workshops that are not available. Like, like Ona was saying, if there's no teaching about this, maybe there's a way to develop that teaching and bring it to the organization's um, level. So thank you guys for, for mentioning that. And, and also thank you for mentioning burnout, because that's that one thing we also talk about, how social workers in the field are burnt out, they're burnt out, self-care, self-care. So it's good to know that there's a way to, to balance and find your place, find uh, what works for you. Because I can imagine if you're working full time and for you, Peter, I think you mentioned you have a baby on the way. Those are things that you don't want to, to be taking home and, and, and uh, struggling with after your, your clock off from work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, so it seems like you have a lot to share with us in, in how things are going in the field. But I was wondering if you can give us some um, 
some advice to the, to the students who are graduating either from the BSW or MSW or going to be social workers, if there's anything uh, specific you wanted to tell us. Uh, let's go with you, Honor. Okay. Uh, so I thought about this and the number one skill that I think is a very good trans transferable skill from school is organization, planning, be on top of your dates. I think those are really important skills to have and just continue, like have agenda, have strategies to help you with that. So, mm. Mm. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's, I think that's very important because Sometimes we think it's only assignments and exams that have deadlines, but I can imagine if I'm meeting, if I have a caseload of 20 patients or a patient's clients, I will have to kind of juggle ways of, of meeting them. And where am I meeting them? Is it in a community? Is it on Zoom? <laughs> is, it, uh, is it at home, home visits, all these things? So yeah, organization. Mm -hmm. um, thank you. How about you, Peter? What are you, what are you giving us to take? So for me, uh, I guess, I mean, this could only apply to me, but I think it might be transferable to other people as well, is to stay as open-minded as you can be because going into social work, the jobs and the population and the settings you want to work in as a social work student or as a as a, an incoming social work student is going to be very different than you find it out there in the field. So staying open-minded is going to help you at least be able to, you know, find something else that might work for you because um, most people might be, you know what, I want to graduate and work for the government. Well, sometimes government jobs aren't going to be the jobs you envision when you're at home and you're you are thinking because in my example, I had the government job that I only did for a day and a half because I I went there and I was like, no, this is not me. I, it was with uh, Citizenship in, uh, and Immigration Canada. And I was like, I cannot do this. I was literally there for a day and a half and that day and a half I was navigating on how we're gonna terminate my status. I didn't want to be there. So stairs open-minded is going to help you uh, survive in this field. I'm not scaring you, but it is a field that is, people make it in this field and you're going to make it as well. And kind of the last piece of advice, uh, which comes to self-care, which we kind of like alluded to is, uh, there's this example that I read on, on, on LinkedIn. It was about uh, uh, various aspects of our lives uh, plus work being uh, equated to tennis balls. And um, so all of these tennis balls are like made into like uh, a regular tennis ball that is bouncing. So when you throw it down, it bounces back up. It doesn't, it doesn't burst up. However, one big aspect that is not made of a spongy or is not made as a tennis ball is our mental health. And this was a CEO who was explaining about how he manages his uh, employees by stating that our mental health is a ball that is made of glass. So, what, so other things like salary, what you do, uh, the kind of population you work with, those are things that are tennis balls that you can bounce on the floor, they'll come back, which means they are, they, you, can, they are, you can replenish them, you can replace them easily. But our mental health is equated to a glass ball in a sense that once you throw it on the, on the, on the ground, as, as most glasses do, it's going to break and it's going to be impossible to repair it. So what he meant was we can juggle other things, but we should prioritize our mental health in a way that um, we, we practice social, I mean, uh, uh, self-care, not just think about it, but we actually do it. Figuring out when to switch off the work phone unless you're on call uh, 
but you can switch off after your work, figuring out what you can't take. So some of the clients work with obviously are very vulnerable and they are very aggressive, figuring out what you can do to avoid those things because in the long run, you're going to be hurt and you might not be able to practice social work, the profession that you love and the profession you wanted to do in the long term. Wow, um, I have nothing to add. I'm just gonna keep that that image of of the glass being uh, our mental health being made of glass, so that we can take care of it and prioritize it over anything else around our, our practice as social workers. Um, well, so as we wrap up, uh, do you mind sharing with us what your next steps are? Um, I, I bet you're graduating from MSW and and uh, honor you just got this position. Uh, what what are you thinking in the next maybe say? three to five years where you do you have any different plans or you want to stay in that position for a minute? Um, let's go with honor first. Uh, I'd probably like to stay. I already have like a lot of work experience here. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really see myself leaving. I'm really enjoying it. It's challenging, but mm -hmm. overall it's really rewarding. So. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. And how about you, Peter? And I, yeah, just uh, um, as well, I think I'm going to stay at least for the next couple of years. I do have a practicum in the, a, a clinical practicum at a mental health facility, uh, the Royal. Mm -hmm. um, this is the first of its kind. All my uh, previous practicums were in the community. So this is the first of its kind. I'm going to see how that goes. I've done a lot of, uh, of community work as well. So maybe my three to five years plan is try to figure out if clinical aspect of social work is something I want to do. And if it is, then possibly try to find ways of connecting to what I'm currently doing or maybe even finding another job. But uh, at the moment, the short answer is, I think after graduation, I'll stay where I am. Okay, sounds good. All right, so bonus question. Um, I, I believe you've encountered many social workers, you're one as well, or there's one that you aspire to be. So in under one minute, can you tell us what the qualities of a good social worker is? Um, let's go with the honor first. Okay. Um, so some good qualities of a social worker would be definitely open-minded, empathetic, um, non-judgmental, uh, it's really important to be an advocate for social justice and social rights. I know it could be really challenging, but it's really important to speak on behalf of marginalized groups that don't always have that voice. Mm -hmm. So you, and you have to work with the client when, where they're at, because they might not have the same kind of, um, like demands as we do but it's always important to put like whatever pressures like red tape that you have put that aside and just like sit there and be with them and listen to them and what they need so awesome thank you thank you how about you peter yeah so i think uh, a lot of things have just been covered but uh, just to um add uh, on, on top of what that uh, was said i think a uh, good social worker practices do awareness that is you are constantly reflecting on the needs of the client whilst at the same time uh, concentrating on your own needs. Because most of the time we prioritize the needs of the clients and our needs are ignored and that's always not good. So once we, we take care of our needs and, 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 and the client's needs, then we'll be able to move forward in a way that is empowering because we are going to enable the clients 
to possibly uh, uh, be able to take care of other problems on themselves. So I think a good social worker, just to, to, to round it up, teaches the clients how to fish without just giving them fish. So let's teach all our clients, regardless of where they are, uh, I mean, regardless of who they are, let's teach them how to fish uh, solutions to their needs because they are the experts to their concerns and problems. And the only way they can get help is through them determining what they need and we can help them do that. All right. Oh, thank you. Thank you both so much for coming on this platform and sharing knowledge and skills. And, and we're so happy that you were successful in your journey as social workers. Uh, we are taking everything that you, you said in consideration. And uh, yeah, thank you for finding time on a Friday afternoon to do that with us. Uh, so for those who are listening, today we were joined with uh, Peter and Shimimana uh, from a class of 2018 BSW, yes. an honor parent Racine who graduated last year in BSW as well. My name is Alisa Shimwe, I was your host and uh, have a good day. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you.